Oh, we got a dance party in the studio here. I'm glad Steve picked the right music for today. I'm on fire. <laughs> Alright, so that being said, no better way to kind of introduce Phil A. Perry, Comcast Sportsnet on a Patriots bye week. Um, I'm assuming you're not working too hard this week, uh, bud. <laughs> We're getting a little bit of work done here, trying to catch up on some things that I haven't been able to catch up on. Uh, so trying to make, you know, like the Patriots, trying to make the most of our time off. You know, you're really just trying to, to get better this weekend. You're not just kicking your feet up. You're trying to get better. Oh, Brady signed up for Instagram. So is that get him getting better? Whoa. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Using his time yeah. effectively. I'm probably going to sign up now then. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, that, I think that'll help him out this divisional round game coming up next weekend. <laughs> Have to assume so. So, um, Phil, before we go into anything Patriots, um, uh, I want to I ask you, um, what's your take on the whole Boston being racist thing? I don't need to get too crazy about it, but I had to ask you because it's kind of going around the entire city right now. So, Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, obviously, I think it was just a pretty, from what I heard, and, and granted, I, I did not see the episode of uh, Around the Horn that I think kicked the whole thing off, yep. but I uh, did hear some of the uh, the radio clips from Bomani Jones and just... Um, I think lazy, obviously, just to to throw that out there, and then to to throw it out there, and then to not, uh, you know, want to defend yourself if you're Bomani Jones. That you know, get like I, I know, Minahan called his show and asked him hmm. to talk about it, and they they tried to get him on the show, and and the thing that was disingenuous to me was him saying, "Well, I never said I never said that. I never said that. You know, Boston was a racist city. Those words never came out of my mouth." But everything he implied was obvious, and so I just thought it was lazy. And uh, and you know, I don't know how you could you could have a take like that and then not want to discuss it with somebody who's trying to defend you know the the reputation of an entire city. It's just it's asinine to me, and it's lazy. And I think that's about that's about the worst adjective you can use to describe someone who considers himself a journalist of any kind is lazy. <laughs> All right, Phil. So. We'll leave it there. Um, I just was curious to what you thought. So, Patriots on a bye week this week. Um, obviously, they're familiar territory for them. What was this past week like for the Patriots? What What do they do uh, the week? Obviously, not having an opponent. I know they have the weekend off here to watch these games, and they'll be back at it tomorrow. Um, how do you prepare for a week that you don't have an opponent yet? Well, a lot of it is self-scouting. A lot of it is going over, um, you know, for the players, I would say a lot of it is going over everything that you did during the season and figuring out what you can do better and where you can improve. And uh, I thought, you know, every week is different. So they had this bye week last year, but I think, you know, uh, last year was so much about just trying to preserve whatever health that they had. And we know they were a disaster physically at the end of the season, those last two regular season games, and then going into the playoffs, they just, they had nothing after Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski on the offensive side of the ball. That offensive line, that's running backs, that's receivers. I know Julian Edelman came back for the playoffs, but he was not himself when he did get back. So last year was really, uh, the bye week was, okay, let's see how well we can get our guys because we're, they, they didn't have a chance uh, if they weren't healthy. And it turns out that they, they ended up having a chance. They, they almost went to, the, the fact that they almost went to, the Super Bowl, the fact that they almost tied that game, the AFC Championship, in Denver is incredible to me, and I think it's a huge testament to the coaching staff and Bill Belichick in particular 
because you look at the personnel that they had. I mean, you're running out Keyshawn Martin at receiver, uh, Chris Harper at receiver. You know, like I said, Edelman was was not himself. Brock played like a monster in that AFC title game, but they're running Steven Jackson out there. The offensive line was so banged up, it was amazing that they even had a chance in that game. And so last year around this time, they were almost unable to practice because they were so focused on getting guys healthy. This year, much different. They're in much better shape, so it meant that they could really attack the two days of practice that they had, and you could say it's only two days, but they got one practice in that was fully padded, and that's really rare this time of year, I would say, for, for any team. Um, but for the Patriots specifically, given their recent history, for them to be able to have a fully padded practice on Wednesday and then get back at it again with Brady on the field and Mal- Malcolm Mitchell coming back to practice and Danny Amendola coming back to practice, they're trending in the right direction, and it's allowed practices to be much more competitive, and I would think that can only mean good things for them when they do finally have to take the field uh, for a game next Saturday. Hey, Phil, so this week the All-Pro team came out. Obviously, first was Matt Ryan at quarterback. Second was Tom Brady. We all have our opinions on who should be the MVP. But because it's the same 50 voters who votes for that and the MVP, do you think Matt Ryan basically has the MVP locked up? I think he does. You know, it's interesting because the, the word valuable screws people up and twists them into to knots all the time. And so, you know, I know for a fact there are, you know, uh, that not everyone that voted for, for Matt Ryan um, to be the first team all pro also voted for him as MVP. And so the valuable, the, the, the quote unquote valuable terminology that's included in that award, um, I think allows people to, to uh, take a little bit different angle at it. And so I do think, you know, Brady has a chance. I don't think it's necessarily 100% Matt Ryan has it and, and don't even think about it, Patriots fans, and get yourself, you know, start to get yourselves worked up already, um, which I know they have. You know, and I know there are people out there that are upset that Ryan got the first team all pro. But, um, you know, I, I think when you look at, at the award, most valuable player, I think Brady definitely has an argument. There, there was nobody who played the position better than he did for the last 12 games of the regular season. He won 11 games. Matt Ryan, who you know I would assume is going to be right there um, in the top two with Brady, won 11 games as well, had more chances to do it. Um, the argument I don't really understand, like, and so I, I get why Brady could win it. What I don't understand is when, when people say that there's no doubt about it, Matt Ryan shouldn't get it. Like I think they're both deserving, and because it is so subjective, like either guy could get it, and and I, it would make sense to me for Matt Ryan to to have the season that he had. That was a historically good Falcons offense that they had this year, guys. And for for Ryan to have over 300 yards a game, to lead the league in quarterback rating, um, you know, yards per attempt was up over not like it, it, it's just the guy. The guy was insane. He had an incredible year, and we don't get to see him as much here. And we obviously know what Brady does, and he had a historic year himself. Touchdowns, interceptions. That's you know nobody. I don't think that will ever be broken. Twenty-eight to two. That's it's unbelievable, and it's MVP caliber for sure. But to say that Ryan doesn't deserve it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because the guy had an incredible year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Atlanta without Ryan would be completely depleted and be in the bottom dweller in the NFC. So I kind of wanted to ask you your first question. Jared asked you was talking about you know time coming back and improving. Danny Danny Amendola has been practicing with the team. 
I'm just curious to see what your take is on how effective he's going to be because Devin McCourty had kind of the same injury, a high ankle sprain last year, and really handicapped him, and it's brutal to come back from. So what do you think is a relative expectation that we can have for Danny Amendola's performances in the playoffs? You're right. It is a, it's a really difficult injury to come back from, and it, he's a guy whose game as a receiver is so predicated on being able to, to change direction quickly that it's a, it makes it even tougher, in my opinion. And so, um, you know, we, we won't know. We won't know how he's going to feel when he comes back. I can tell you this, just from having talked to the guy a few times over the course of the last couple of weeks, he felt like he was ready, um, you know, almost as soon as that last regular season game was over. Like he was starting, he was trending, he'd been trending in the right direction for the last couple of weeks, um, but felt very good uh, as soon as this bye week began and he knew he was going to be out to practice when they practiced on Wednesday and you know I would say from the little bit of practice that we saw you saw a high energy guy a guy who was just you know he's he's a psycho he's a football psychopath <laughs> they're cut they're cut from the same cloth they they hate not to be out there and when they are out there they totally lose their minds and they have uh they don't they don't really grasp the concept of of dialing it back a gear and we we know that with with Edelman but it's the same case with Amendola. They, it's a hundred percent practice games. Doesn't matter. It could be Tom Brady's flag football, you know, charity game. And during the spring, they'll be out there in their, you know, their designer jeans that are like two inches too short and way too tight, and they're still trying to run, you know, four four forties out there. It's insane. Um, so he's going to push it as hard as he can. Uh, I don't know how effective he is, the, the how, or how effective he'll be. Um, I know he feels good about it. What I'll say about the receiver position in general, though, is I'm fascinated to see how they how they use these guys uh, because they, they now have five that look relatively healthy and all bring a little bit something different to the table and all have value, in my opinion. And they haven't activated five legitimate receivers really all year. And so do they keep all five active? I would think they do. But then what does that mean for the rest of the roster? Who do you deactivate, um, you know, I've looked at it. I looked at it earlier this week, and I wrote a little bit about it. If you want to make Edelman, Amendola, Mitchell, Floyd, and Hogan all active, uh, you have to probably deactivate, you know, two of your corners that are kind of at the bottom of the depth chart, which probably wouldn't be that difficult. But then, yeah, you start to look at guys like Matt Lengel or Gino Grissom or, uh, you know, Cameron Fleming, which I don't think you do because he's he's got some value as the blocking tight end and running situation. So. They have an interesting decision to make, and we won't know what that decision will be until 90 minutes before kickoff. But uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what they do because they haven't been this healthy and had this many talented guys at the receiver position in a while. Um, so sticking with the receiver kind of theme, um, obviously Michael Floyd's come on and had an impact so far the last couple of weeks. Obviously we saw the huge block and the touchdown last week against the Dolphins. Um, what kind of role does he have if Amendola comes back, proves he's healthy, um, because he, he's obviously shown that he can play as well. And Michael Floyd, you have Malcolm Mitchell who's there to play, and I don't think they're going to deactivate him because Brady clearly trusts him as well. So what do you do in that situation? It seems like we're playing the Texans next weekend if, if everything kind of goes the way it should today in Pittsburgh. Um, how does that dictate the matchup as well, who you sit, who you don't play, that sort of thing? Yeah, I do think, you know, in terms of like reps and, and snaps that, that those receivers see, a, a lot of it, you know, will be predicated on the matchup. And, and Floyd obviously gives you something that no one else on the receiving core does. Six foot three, two 220 pounds. And I know he's just started to become involved in the offense, but it, it looks like, and from what everything 
people tell me is he's picked it up well enough to, to be a contributor. We saw that obviously in the season finale, but I think they would trust him in, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not third and five with the game on the line. I mean, who knows? I mean, his size can be valuable in and of itself in that kind of spot, but, um, you know, he, he has earned playing time in the playoffs, in my opinion. And so, uh, it's going to come down to how do they feel like certain guys match up against you know the defensive backs that whoever it is, whether it's the Texans or the Dolphins, end up throwing at them. Um, I, I do think, given Amendola's injury, I, I would not be surprised if you saw a situation where he was your punt-slash-kick returner and you almost have him out there just because, even if he's lost some explosiveness because of the injury, you just have him out there because he's so safe with the football and you trust him in those spots, and you want to try to preserve Julian Edelman a little bit, I could see him being a returner specialist and then having him basically be your fifth receiver in case something were to happen to, say, Mitchell or Edelman. He could slide into um, the roles that those guys play if need be, but you know he's your fifth out of five guys, and he's not really out there in three or four receiver packages. I could, I could see that being the case um, just because you want to use that that other four and they are so valuable all right so the one of the big topics that's been throughout this past week is obviously Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels interviewing uh where do you think that if he does leave New England where do you think his best landing spot would be well I thought for a while it would be in San Francisco but that kind of came with the caveat that that Nick Casario would be headed out there with them and um we know now that he, he uh, will not be interviewing for that 49ers job. Casario won't be. Uh, McDaniel still went through with the Niners interview himself, and I do still think um, that that's, that's a good opportunity, and it, it might be the best one, but it, to me it, it's kind of the best of a bad lot. You know, I don't know if, if the perfect opportunity is out there for him right now, and I think that's what he would need to leave. Um, now, that opportunity might all of a sudden become more attractive if, the 49ers feel like, uh, you know, hey, we didn't get our, you know, our very top choice to run the front office, so maybe we'll get someone else and make sure that he's somebody that will have a good relationship with McDaniels, like, say, Lewis Riddick, who's gotten a lot of buzz, the ESPN guy, um, former uh, front office guy in the NFL, actually played under Bill Belichick for a little while, really smart, somebody that you would think McDaniels would be a be able to get along with, but then you also say, okay, but you know, um, you know, Lewis, we're gonna, you know, Josh has to be you know pretty heavily involved here in terms of who you're getting for personnel. Like you guys, you know, we obviously want you to be on the same page, but you know, if they can give McDaniel's a little bit of front office responsibility, um, you know, along with the head coaching gig, maybe that becomes enough to, to pry him away. I just don't think, especially given what you're working with in terms of ownership there that it's the perfect spot. And in a lot of ways, ownership is the most important thing. You have to be able to, to feel confident that your owner is going to let you do your job. Uh, you have to feel confident that, you know, if you, if you don't want to be the coach of a team that's, that's going to be moving during your tenure, you have to be able to trust the owner and, and make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you are and your family is where you want them to be. So there's a lot that goes into it, and I, I don't know if Jed York provides that kind of stability that um, – you know, McDaniels has really witnessed firsthand here in New England with Belichick and the craft. But, you know, I think he, he looks at that and he says there are probably only, you know, a handful of other ownership groups that can offer that kind of security. And I don't know if, 
given his history and his his age, you know, Jed York's like a 36-year-old, 37-year-old guy who thinks he has the world figured out, and, and I don't know if that's the most um, enticing place to want to go and try to spend the next, uh, you know, however many years of your career. So um, I think the 49ers, just because you're really starting from scratch there and you can build from the ground up and the expectations will be low, but it's still a good city. It's a team that has a lot of, um, you know, a lot of history there, and you can kind of restore that franchise to where it was. If you feel like you can do that, the 49ers looks like a pretty good gig. I just don't know if the ownership deal um, would be a deal breaker for him. All right, Phil A. Perry, Comcast Sportsnet, New England. Phil, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having Have me. Have a good one. Uh, Thanks, enjoy, enjoy the games this weekend. You too. Don't work too hard on the bye week. <laughs> <laughs> Give a little shot there. No, 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 no. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, um, I want to stick to the theme of the uh, – two coordinators that might be leaving after the season. We'll touch on that next Sunday. Sit down here on ESPN New Hampshire.